This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, in a few moments, we are going to talk with uh, Annette Glenn, who is running for state senate in Michigan. Michigan has become one of the hottest states. The governor's race is close. There's House, uh, U.S. House races that are close. And at the state level, state legislature level, very, very close. This is a big race. Annette Glenn is a state rep. She's been on the program before. She's a very dynamic leader. So we'll talk with her and we'll find out what the story is because she's in a a dogfight and she's really a great uh, leader and one worth supporting. We'll also talk with Kenny Zhu. Kenny Shu. Kenny Shu. Let me say it right. Kenny Shu, who is the founder and head of uh, an organization that strives to have colorblind, colorblind uh, advocacy. None of this stuff that's uh, uh, targeting different groups. He himself is Asian American and he has honed in on how... um, how uh, poorly Asian Americans are treated in this country under affirmative action. So very, very interesting guy. We've had him on the show before. The reason it's so important is early Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court took up a case uh, about this topic. It's Harvard. Harvard College is on the hot seat. And um, so we'll they argued it earlier. I walked over to the court to see it. There were some protesters on both sides. Uh, the case is Students for Fair Admission v. Harvard. Um, and so it was uh, that's arguing and that will be interesting to hear see what happens so that arguments now the decision won't be for months uh, in the spring probably but um, we'll talk with Kenny Shu about that and uh, a little bit more about what is happening um, with that topic it's uh, a very important one all right now I want to get to I want to cover this um, what you need to know today um, and it's an important one to me personally because many years ago now um, 10 I guess it's close to, yeah 10. Right about now, 10 years ago, I, I was uh, in Missouri. I was the Republican nominee for uh, attorney general, and I was in a race against the Democrat incumbent. I, a few months later, I was elected chairman of the party because I lost my race for attorney general. But there we were, and we were slogging away, and it's really tough to be in a statewide race. You have a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of work to do and et cetera. Well, uh, one of the things that happened was I had some great surrogates come into town, into Missouri, to campaign for me, and one of them was... Rand Paul. And Rand Paul, who I had met before, um, who had been very nice to meet, had been to some uh, different things that I was at, he came in and we hopscotched across the state. Springfield, uh, Missouri, uh, up to uh, Columbia, I think it was, uh, finished in Cape Girardeau, and had these campaign events. And it was wonderful. And I got to spend the whole day with the guy. And that be, that would uh, that would opened up what I would call a friendship, and over the years I've got to know him. I was uh, early on I was involved with his uh, presidential uh, campaign. Um, I, I I like him a lot, and I thought maybe he was a guy that could take on the establishment. Turns out that uh, it was the same year Trump ran, and it didn't go very far. But he's a super guy. I mean, he's really wonderful. His wife Kelly is very um, impressive, normal, like a nice uh, lady, like a friend with her husband, just normal, right? They're they're normal. They're pretty normal people. They're kind of smarter than most people but they're pretty normal right like but um wonderful nice family and when he was attacked brutally attacked the coverage of it was like a neighborly dispute and that was not true it was his neighbor who was a far you know who had been indoctrinated by watching cable tv who had become uh, you know kind of radicalized that's the right word and he sprinted down a hill next door and Rand cuts his lawn with headphones on noise canceling headphones especially he doesn't want to lose his hearing I don't know if he had music on or not 
But this guy tackles him. Now, Rand Paul is not a tall guy, and he's not a, a, a thin guy. He's pretty athletic, but he's not tiny. He's not like he's, he's got some muscle on him and all. This guy blindsided him and almost killed him. That's the facts. He lost a part of his lung. His lung collapsed. He was hospitalized. And frankly, here's what I'll tell you. For about a year or two afterwards, when you saw Rand Paul, he didn't really look like himself. He had really been physically brutalized. That was this guy, the neighbor, who I think is a felon. He pled guilty to whatever he did, and he paid a big... uh, 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 There was a lawsuit against him, a civil lawsuit. But the idea... That it was anything other than... Same thing with uh, Steve Scalise. He was shot by a guy that was radicalized by MSNBC and CNN and others. Now, I don't blame those sites, but I think we can blame the rhetoric. And I don't see rhetoric on our side of the aisle, meaning conservatives, that comes anywhere near what we're talking about. I mean, I just don't see it. I I watch what's happening. I don't see people on the right or conservative side calling for violence. Even January 6th, most people I know say the people that got out of control, and especially that pushed a cop or hit a cop or hit anyone, those people deserve to be penalized. They deserve to be tried. They deserve to. But the rest of it is just a roll up of people that are not guilty of anything other than trespass or vandalism or something. But. This is crazy. And there was an exchange on Twitter where somebody, Anna Navarro, I think, was saying how, you know, oh, this is all MAGA that does this, or MAGA is the one that influences this, and blah, blah, blah. And Kelly Paul, Rand Paul's wife, responded on Twitter and said, you're not, this is not honest. And I have to say, her tweet, I know them, her tweet sounded like her. It wasn't, it sounded like a woman that was worried about her husband. It sounded like somebody that cared about her family. It's, it's a crazy, and remember what I've told you. What you need to know is the projection racket of this is profound. And whether you think they're just talking to a third of the country to, to make them believe this, or you think they're trying to persuade the rest of the country, whatever it is, it is truly evil to try to blame Paul Pelosi's attack on MAGA supporters and to say it's the rhetoric it's it's precisely the opposite five days ago Hillary Clinton called people that were supporting conservative politicians and candidates and MAGA policies she called them extremists she said extremists and they have a plan that's language intended to heighten the tension a few months ago President Biden stood before the, the in Philadelphia before Independence Hall with black and red coloring and military standing there and called America Americans a clear and present danger, not for something they did, but for positions they held and what they might have said. This is radical stuff. This is twisted stuff. It's it, the regime, the Biden regime, and aided by Hillary, and, and especially aided by the media, especially aided by big tech. It's uh, there's more and more coming out, by the way, about the media, the narrative machine, the big government's role in influencing Facebook and Meta and uh, Twitter and others. It's more and more clear that that's happened. And I'm just telling you what you need to know is this is really evil, evil stuff. And families like uh, like Rand Paul's family and Kelly Paul, his wife and other families, Steve Scalise. And lots of people, that kid down in Marco Rubio, volunteer, got beaten senseless. Anybody, Nick Sandman, Kyle Rittenhouse. And look, if somebody gets um, uh, brutalized on the, by someone on the right, fine, let's talk about it. You don't have pro-lifers 
out wilding you know, causing problems, beating people doesn't happen. Even the guy that was arrested for pushing was someone arrested for pushing the pro-lifer because somebody was getting in the face of his kid. But even that, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. It's, it's, this is crazy stuff. And that big tech, big media and big government, Joe Biden, Facebook, Meta, the, the cable stations, Anna Navarro Smith's a big star on The View and CNN, that they're going for this is twisted. It's twisted. It's diabolical. And what you need to know is it has to stop. We have to stop it, meaning we have to have legislatures. And, and you know, uh, Eric Smith, the guy running for U.S. Senate from Missouri, the attorney general, his lawsuit has gotten to the bottom of a bunch of this stuff. We're getting to the bottom. And we're seeing it. And Elon Musk now has the tweets or the, and, the, and the back and forth emails between the people that were doing this in, in Twitter. We've got to get to the bottom of it to keep to hold our society together. To trust each other in some way, if not always. What you need to know is Kelly Paul is worth hearing. Whether Anna Navarro and the left cares to listen, but we have to hear her. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. We got great guests. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest is a friend of mine for many years. Um, her name is Annette Glenn. She's a state representative and she's running for state Senate, of course, for years. And Gary was on the show a lot. Gary Glenn has been working with me on a various a number of uh, policy issues. And so these are uh, the Glenns from Michigan, a sort of first family, I'd say, that royalty in, in Michigan. And Annette, so Annette, you're in the Senate race. First of all, tell us what's how what's going on in Michigan. What's I mean, there's been some coverage of the governor's race people got knocked off the ballot what's what's going on in michigan is michigan trump country is michigan uh what, what's happening there Michigan is angry country. We have some of the toughest <laughs> lockdowns in the entire country, which uh, made 10 people feel like they could knock off the governor. So we had uh, three weeks ago, we had 10 people who had submitted over the 15,000 required signatures to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. As the secretary of state looked through those, it looked like some of the petition firms that uh, were paid to gather signatures from some of the candidates had not necessarily acquired those legally. And so five candidates were disqualified. There's a couple still going through some legal processes, but we expect that we now will only have five to choose from on our August 2nd primary. Uh, We're talking with Annette Glenn. And by the way, the website for her is uh, AnnetteGlenn.com. I'll put it up on social media. Um, There's lots in that. And there's two N's, two T's, and uh, two N's at the end, AnnetteGlenn.com. So uh, she's running uh, for state Senate and up in the area of the Bay, Midland, and Saginaw counties. Um, Okay, so back to this real quickly on this, the governor's race. Five of them knocked out. We were talking off the air, and you said, you know, there's still lawsuits ongoing. It may turn out that some get back on. But it's odd to me that they – that five campaigns messed up so broadly was is there you know is there fraud involved is there dirty tricks involved what's the developing story anything definitely i'd say definitely fraud by the petition gatherers there's some conversation about whether there's going to be some prosecution mm-hmm. it looks like there's at least 68,000 signatures that are not legal signatures wow. where petition gatherers uh, did what they're calling a round robin where they would pass the petition 
petitions around to each other and they would fill in names that were not their own, but in different writing so that it wasn't as easy to catch as if you just looked straight at that. So you had three newcomers, three people who had not been really involved in politics before that probably just uh, did an interview process and thought they could trust these. Then you have two that were considered fairly high front runners, Chief Craig uh-huh. and uh, Perry Johnson, who both had, in, had worked with the same consultant at some point in time. Hmm. And they also were kicked off. So uh, even, even with a consultant, they still ended up with a petition company that was not doing it fraudulently. Hmm. My understanding is that petition company reached out to some ballot initiatives, and some of them were well aware that they did not have a great reputation and did not use them for their petition gathering. Hmm. I see. So those that uh, used those ended up in some trouble. It's just a boy. Sounds like just a mess, but it'll be it'll be resolved. When's the primary? When is the primary? What date? August second. August second. So it's coming fast. Okay, Annette Glenn, what's the big? You're running for state senate um, up in Idaho. Our friend uh, Tammy Nichols, who won her primary up there. There were lots of primaries where there was a conservative versus uh, whether you call it a moderate rhino, whatever establishment, whatever. And it was lots of those battles in Idaho. The, the primary was a few weeks ago. Is Michigan played out that way? Is there lots of the in the in the primary these battles are are you in that kind of a, a, a situation there are definitely some of those battles going on in Michigan. I will say that I'm in one of the most interesting races ever. Uh, <laughs> as you know, in politics, it's not unusual when you move to a new seat that other people may jump in. Uh, right. And maybe even people that you've served with or worked with. It's very unusual to have people who contributed and volunteered on your campaign then to decide to run against you when they're not <laughs> happy with anything you've done. Wow. So that has been an interesting thing. I am unabashedly pro-life, pro-Second Amendment. Um, I've been in the middle of the battle to protect parental rights. Um, and as a former state champion, I'm also in the battle to protect women's sports. Back when I was in high school back in the 80s, you know, we didn't have as many sports as the young man did. Uh, so I had the opportunity to run track and some other sports. But my younger siblings had the opportunity to do many more sports that I didn't. So in our uh, state budget, we put in some language that just simply says, if you want state funding, you need to have a policy that only girls play in girls sports. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's it seems like common sense. And and so. Um, all right. And, and Michigan now, you said it's an angry state, meaning what the economy between the economy and the, and the uh, inflation. Is that is what, what's the issue? Oh, what's, economy, yeah, economy, yeah. inflation. Um, our gas prices just hit five. 19 as an average wow. and that's as an average which means there's other places in michigan that um, it's higher and a few that are lower so that has everybody concerned about just the cost of driving to work and uh, we still have state employees in the vast majority that are not back in offices they're still working remote so if you're trying to do business with state government still trying to get your unemployment still trying to get permits to uh, build back after we had the dam failures what's within my district those are all challenges that we're still facing so people are angry that they're paying for government they're not getting their money's worth and they are taking it in the shorts every time they go to buy groceries um, if you can find the groceries you want in the grocery store we have the supply line issue 
issue up here as well as anywhere. One of my opponents, um, first, let's get back to education here for a minute. One of yeah. my primary opponents was the sponsor to provide the funding to implement Common Core. And as we saw what's happened in Virginia and other places in the state, education has become a huge issue in parents' minds. They want to be able to have input into their kids' education. They want to be able to have control at, uh, at the local ish, at local level. And so mm-hmm. between him providing funding for Common Core and also being the lead sponsor for that national popular vote that was funded by George Soros, right. I would say I am the most conservative candidate easily in this race. Uh, how does the how does the issue of election integrity uh, play out there? I know that there's the, there is a secretary of state race, I think, right, that's coming up. But we've seen that uh, issue become in some ways more popular with the um, with the conservatives and with Republican voters at the same time that the media continues to sort of uh, try to move past it. What's the what is the state of uh, play on that issue? There's no question that election integrity is very important here in Michigan. I am blessed to serve with a a township clerk. One of the ladies that was elected the same time I was has worked many, many elections. And so when you look at things not being done right and things being done right, she's been our go-to, which has been great. Um, So trying to outlaw third-party access to our voter list, which was a challenge up here in Michigan. And then another challenge is uh, we have an auditor general who goes through an audit uh, nonpartisan goes through an audit to all departments and had gone through the Secretary of State before this election question and said our roles needed to be cleaned up. But instead of cleaning them up further, what our Secretary of State did was actually add back everybody that had been removed in the last, I believe it was 10 years. So if you passed away 10 years ago, moved to another state, moved to another jurisdiction, you got added back in and then mailed applications for ballots to all of those people. So people were getting 10, 12 ballots at their home without having, or not ballots, wow. but the application for ballots, which uh-huh. concerned a lot of people. Yeah. Some people were in brand new homes and they couldn't figure out why they were getting applications when they had not requested them. So as opposed to using that money from the federal government to, um, you know, hire more election workers or to hire machines that could open ballots quicker so that we could process things quicker and make sure that we had chain of custody in place. That's mm-hmm. not what happened in Michigan. So that does have a lot of people concerned. Um, I think the numbers in Michigan show somewhere between about 60 percent of Republicans and not much short of that. Democrats have concerns. Yeah. And uh, voter ID is something that we've been trying to implement. And that's been getting vetoed by the governor. We wanted to put something very simple on the top of ballots that said you could only vote once. And yeah. if you vote more than once, it's a felony. And she vetoed that legislation. So we're in the process of getting something on the ballot, which would require ID in the future and require that we follow chain of custody so that we can determine um, that our elections are secure and safe and that we get the results for the people that voted. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Annette Glenn and uh, AnnetteGlenn.com is her website. You go there, the about page, you can see. And I know this because her husband, Gary, is my friend, put out a picture of you running. You were you were not you are you were burying the lead a little bit. You were you were a high school state champion, I think it was. And on, and the, was. About, on the about page, you can see that uh, uh, your history and, and uh, your life and all the things you did. Uh, and it's uh, pretty great. Plus that picture, which is he loves sending out of you running uh, in the. He does in the, love that picture. <laughs> uh, one of my coaches said that picture uh-huh. and then uh, there were only two seniors on the team we did not have a large girls track team but we managed uh-huh. with 13 of us uh, to still 
win the state championship. So not only was state champ in that race, but our team of 13 women uh, were able to accumulate enough points to be state champs as a team as well. Yeah. I was uh, looking, and, and I'll, I'll, we'll finish up by saying, if you go to AnnetteGlenn.com, I've known her for a long time, but when you read the about page, uh, at the, towards the bottom, uh, two of Annette's passions, uh, a military, the men and women that serve, her husband uh, was uh, in the military, she, her, your, your dad was, and then uh, also some of your family, your children's, I think, one husband, but also education. I've known for years that's one of the things you have cared so much about. So it's an interesting uh, time. I wish you well in this election, and we'll have you on again before Thank we get you, to Ed. August and get an update, especially after we get the news on these governor's races. I, I mean, this governor race, it's, that, that's a big race. I suspect the way the wind is blowing, I'll ask you, the way the wind is blowing um, in terms of the voters, that the governor of Michigan, that, that's one that the Republicans can win. They've got to get a campaign together and figure out who the candidate is, but it feels like the right uh, environment. Does that seem right to you? I would say the environment is right. Uh, you mentioned the three counties that I'm going to be representing, Midland, Bay City, and Saginaw. Uh-huh. I can tell you that her numbers are about as low as you can get in Bay County. Hmm. They are uh, below 30% approval rating. So just right for having a new governor and uh, turning the state around. Yeah. Okay. Well, Annette Glenn, AnnetteGlenn.com. I'll put it up on social media. Thank you, Annette. Uh, best of luck out there and give Gary our Thank best. You. And uh, we will take a break, everybody. And we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll put Put this all up on social media. You can check it there. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um, it was a while ago that we had as a guest on the program, uh, Kenny Shu, and we were talking about his organization, uh, ColorUsUnited.org, and uh, the tagline is Advocating for a Race-Blind America. Um, if you go to that website, ColorUsUnited.com, you'll see a lot of there there. But we were also um, uh, referring to what and I mentioned earlier in the program as I began, uh, Kenny, you wouldn't have heard this, that I, um, I went over to the Supreme Court early on Monday. Uh, that was when the arguments uh, were uh, happening in this uh, Harvard affirmative action case. I went over there. There were some protesters and uh, um, there wasn't much actually, to be honest, but there was lots of security. How many? Um, I I would say when I was there, it was pretty early. There might have, made, might have been 100, maybe. Um, they were banging, <laughs> banging drums and things. I'm sure they'll cut, cut, report it as a lot more than that, but um, the, the mm-hmm. case is... We had like 200 yesterday yeah. for us, but keep oh. going. <laughs> Student Students for fair Not to compare fingers. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Students for Fair Admissions uh, versus the Harvard College is the website. The thing I was going to tell you, uh, Kenny, and uh, he's the president of Colors United, uh, Kenny Shu, is um, that when Hillary Clinton last week said, oh, yeah, the Supreme Court's full of extremists, um, what I saw when I went over there to protest, it was early. People were coming to the court, and there were bomb-sniffing dogs all around the people who were going in. The back entrance is where there's a parking garage, and I thought, you know, the world is crazy in, in lots of ways, and we need to be careful and all, but uh, the rhetoric of people like Hillary at this time. But let me let me stop. I want to talk about this. What do you hope happens beyond the case? Is there a conversation that's happening that's more positive, or are people just sort of making this uh, another hot button? People, I think we can have a positive conversation from this case. And a positive conversation that should result from the Supreme Court case is that we need to stop looking at people by their race. Just because a person is a certain race doesn't mean they have certain characteristics that are commonly attributed to that race. Um, just because a person is black doesn't mean that they're a victim. Just because a person is Asian doesn't mean that they're smart. The whole point of this Harvard case is to disassociate race from merit. That's the idea. We should be treating people on their individual 
individual characteristics. And if you've been listening to the Supreme Court talk about this, the assumptions from the liberal judges are always, always, well, shouldn't we take into account of race because they have this history? No. How do you know that they have this history? How do you know that they even care about this part of their history? Treat somebody based on what they can teach you about themselves, not what you assume about them. I uh, are talking with uh, Kenny Shu, and, and I mentioned uh, to him off the air, his book is called An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Came out about a year and a few months ago. Um, really, a really interesting book. I have a copy on the shelf over there. Um, uh, Kenny, the... Um why is it happening? Why is it sort of rolling up? Um, I mean, let me say, let me start again. Uh, in my hometown, St. Louis, one of the most sort of divisive things that goes on is our failed public school in the city. Most of those kids are African-American and, and minority. Um, and yet, instead of fixing that, which really looks like racism, there's this movement to sort of, um, and you written, wrote about it in the book, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School, one of the, uh, it's called Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Northern Virginia, one of the best schools in the country, if not the world. And they basically changed the um, entrance exam from take a test to see if you're really good at science and technology, because that's what this is, an expertise, to a quota system that's dramatically changing it pretty quickly. Why is that happening? What, what is the expansion? How does it make it better to target more people? Well, because progressives are either jealous or ignorant of Asian success and how it's created in the education system. Basically, this is what happens. Asian students will get home from school. Their parents are going to, not only are they going to do the school homework, their parents are going to put more homework upon them. You know, they're asked to play piano and do something creative that exercises their creative thought abilities. Asian, you know, parents will make sure that these kids get extra tutoring in places where they don't, where they don't get it. Sometimes they're going to spend up for that even when they don't have the money. Look at the poor Asian kids uh, in New York City. You know, their parents don't have any money. They're working as restaurant owners, yet Asians have the highest SAT scores in New York City out of all of the races. In fact, low-income Asians have higher SAT scores than high-income whites. You heard that right, not blacks, whites. So Asian students, they know how to... study. They know how to do these things. We should be learning from these cultures of excellence, as I talk about in my book, An Inconvenient Minority. We shouldn't be denigrating them. But what the progressive left has chosen, to how, how they've chosen to respond to Asian success, ignore it and denigrate it. Is it, um, is, Kenny, is, is the, um, the left made a big deal out of stop Asian hate or something, right? They tried to make that um, uh, hate crimes. They want to talk about hate crimes all the time when, um, wh- you know, the, I mean, Thomas Jefferson, give me an update on Thomas Jefferson High School. I hate to admit I'm, I live not far from there, but I just don't know what's happened. Is it, has it been sort of destroyed? definitely been compromised. Woke school boards and policymakers have come in and they've lowered the percentage of Asians by 50% at that top math and science high school. Remember, it's not like they're preferentially admitting Asians back before. The the school used to be about 70% white. It became 70% Asian over the past 20 years because Asian students were just studying harder and competing better for the test. Uh, and getting the getting the requisite grades, um, but you know after this new woke policy came in, um, now guess what? You know the school is probably not is not on track to be the number one math and science high school in the nation anymore. It's not on track to produce the next generation of elite math and science graduates. All the while, China's creeping up. They're they're they have no qualms about admit you know trying to get the best talent and even poaching talent from us they're out competing us in the science and technology front if we are allowing our 
national security centers like Thomas Jefferson High School cultivating our cultures of excellence to go downhill, our entire nation is in danger. Uh, the case is uh, uh, Kenny Shu is our guest. He's the presence of color, president of Color Us United, uh, a race blind, race blind advocacy group that says um, ordinary Americans want race out of the equation in their both personal and professional lives. And uh, he's written a book on it, An Inconvenient Minority. Uh, again, uh, I'll put up on social media. Uh, ColorUsUnited.org is the website. Back for to this case, Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard, a case the Supreme Court heard Monday morning. Um, what What is your hope? I, I, you know, I know you see in there that the, the fact the facts asserted in that case are that if Harvard didn't have their affirmative action, in other words, they're picking winners and losers, the assessment is it would be 50% higher of, of quality students who happen to be Asian than it is than it is now. Is that the hope to get rid of this? Is, it, is this the way to get rid of all the race-based affirmative action? Yeah, it is. The hope to get rid of race-based affirmative action is to treat people based on their merits. That is what 75% of Americans agree we should do. 75% of Americans, according to the latest Pew Research poll, believe that race should not be included in college admissions. Why? Because race is irrelevant from the standpoint of merit. Every American gets this. The only people who don't get this are progressive leftists who believe that merit itself is racist, which is wrong. Merit is not racist. If merit was racist, Asian Americans who come to this country without any wealth and social connections wouldn't be able to get it. Um, merit is not racist. We should rally behind this concept of meritocracy and the future of a colorblind country where we can genuinely treat people according to the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Does um, Kenny Shu is our guest again, and uh, Colorist United is his advocacy group. Does that have you found allies in um, the movement uh, uh, in your movement that include African Americans? I mean, the stereotype in people's heads is, oh, you know, there's um, I, I don't know, um, you know, um, Reverend Al Sharpton maybe or jesse jackson but that even as i say their names it feels like a different generation is there is there a, a movement among african-americans to say hey we had a i mean in some ways you had african-american affirmative action again we spent more money in st louis city schools and the education was worse and worse so are you finding allies that are african-americans saying hey yeah we get it too we want a system that's just let us all succeed yeah, I'm fighting allies from every race. In fact, you look at the polls and you see, look, I'm not going to get any support from Al Sharpton, right. but um, nearly 50% of African-Americans also don't believe that college colleges should use race admissions, even though race and admissions presumably helps them. And they know this. The reason why is because they don't want to be treated as a victim anymore. And they also don't want policymakers to come up with excuses, you know, to try to hide the fact that K-12 public education is failing and African-Americans are disproportionately reliant upon it. You know, um, this this is the central problem that's going to be adjudicated in our public sphere over the next 20 years. The failure of publication, uh, sorry, publication, public education, even after spending three times as much money per student as we have adjusted for inflation, but, you know, between 1980 and today. Mm-hmm. 
our scores have remained stagnant. You know, our cultures of excellence have denigrated. The woke are taking over our schools. What is wrong? What is going on? This, I think, is going to be after this case, the Harvard case finally gets rid of racist admissions. This will be the major issue in our culture for the next 20 years. Well, and I think that that was I was going to tell you next is you get the you get the court case. That's that's uh, just in a way that's a a good protection into the um, into more freedom. And now you got to we have to figure out how to, you know, educate and and uh, and how to um, have people understand. Right. As you point out, there's a yeah, right. Go ahead. No, all the Supreme Court can do is say you cannot discriminate on the basis of race anymore. I hope that that happens. I know that it, I, I expect it will happen. I can't say I know it. I don't want the public to be surprised when it does. Once they do, we will have the hard work as a country of rooting out all of the inefficiencies, wokeism, and um, low confidence education that we've put into our public education system for the past 50 years, which is the leading cause of why black Americans, you know, why the wealth and um, racial achievement gaps persist in our country. Uh, Kenny Zhu, again, is the founder and the leader of, of uh, Color Us United, colorsunited.org, uh, advocating for race blind America. Good luck in these, uh, well, I guess months now until a decision comes out and then the hard work, as you mentioned, uh, uh, continues. So and we'll thank you to talking about it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come back. Uh, very interesting uh, topic. Uh, very and uh, very helpful uh, man, young man who's helping uh, articulate what is at stake. So um, uh, we'll, I bet we'll see more of him. I think he is really one of the leaders um, going forward on this movement. Uh, comes at it very credibly with a lot of uh, common sense and also, as you heard, with a sort of even keel. Um, it's very makes me very hopeful. All right. We will take a break. And um I will put all that up on social media. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. You've seen his name on billboards, print advertisements, and television commercials. But do you know the real James Cash Penny? founder of the J.C. Penney Empire. He started out as the son of a humble Baptist pastor and farmer in Missouri, feeding pigs and selling watermelons in his teenage years. As his father was dying of tuberculosis, his father asked a family friend to give the young James a steady job. So James became a store clerk, earning $2.27 per month. Time marched on quickly, and so did J.C. Penney. He moved to Colorado, and he purchased his own storefront. He shifted to a new venture called the Golden Rule Store, which eventually grew into the J.C. Penney empire that we know today. One of the most remarkable aspects of J.C. Penney's legacy is not how he handled his power, but how he handled his principles. Penney was a Christian who considered his business the art of serving families, not the art of making money. Penney operated under a strict cash-only policy and never allowed debt of any kind in his stores. The cash-only rule remained in place until 1958, when his board voted to create a store credit card, with Penny himself as the loan dissenter. J.C. Penny once summed up his business philosophy by saying this, The assumption was that business is secular and service is religious. I've never been able to accept that line of arbitrary demarcation. Is not service part and parcel of business? It seems to me so. Business is therefore as much religious as it is secular. 
If we follow the admonition to love God and our neighbors as ourselves, it will lead us to understand that, first of all, success is a matter of the spirit, end quote. Penny knew as well as anyone that there's no more a separation between church and business than there is a constitutional separation between church and state. Christian business leaders, don't leave your values at the church house doors. Live out your faith like the great James Cash Penny. America was built for men and women who aren't afraid to stand on their principles. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Freedom of worship and the right to express our faith and read our Bibles is foundational to America. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to track mounting threats to the free exercise of religion and equip you to fight back. Your defense begins at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, it's time for the old window. What you need to do. Window. What? W-U-Y-N. Need to do. D D at the end. D-O. What you need to do. The window. Here's the thing. With just a week or so left, these these last days, it's so important to move and not just watch. So, what do I mean? Well, in your community where you are, move, don't watch means go vote. It means help others vote. It means get the vote out, right? So, it could mean phone calls. It could mean making a schedule so that your parents can vote, you know, drive them. You got a grandma, you got cousins, whatever it is, you need to and vote yourself, obviously. If you're volunteering at the polling places, make sure you got all your stuff together. Make sure you all got your details in. You've done all your trainings. Almost every county I know has to do online training as well as sometimes in person. So get all that done. Get ready and start acting. Stop thinking. Stop wondering. Stop pondering. Start doing. You got to move. It's a time for movement. And if you've got the chance, you've got to look around and see where you can help most valuably. I remember vividly in uh, 2016, Woody Woodrum, our California Screaming Eagles leader, telling me, I don't know, just about a month or two before, he was looking for ways to help Trump in that race, and it, he knew it would matter down the stretch, and by the time you got to the end of the election, he, Woody, was organizing volunteers making phone calls, phone banking, into other states, because California was off the off the you know, watch list. So, move, do, it's time. Here's another one. We had on the program Annette Glenn. She's a state rep in Michigan. She's running for a state Senate seat. You've heard her husband, Gary Glenn. Gary Glenn's been my friend forever and a colleague. He was in the state house himself. He organized um, lots of great policy initiatives out in, in, the, in the West. Uh, Montana, I think, was one place he was. But also in Michigan, he's organized, served in the legislature there. Army guy, um, just an amazing guy. Well, this is his wife. And she's even better than he is. I'm just teasing because I love him, but she's great. And she's in one of the most competitive state Senate races in the country because they redistricted it to try to steal it for the Democrats. And she's a Republican. She's great pro-lifer. She's great fighter. She's smart. She's conservative, very Trumpy. 
If you have 10 bucks, if you go to AnnetteGlenn.com and give her 10 bucks, it's, it's worth 100 bucks because she's doing mail and phone banking and, and automated phoning and radio down the stretch. I just can tell you, when you get into a race like this and it's so close, I remember vividly in 2010, I was running for Congress. It got so close at the end. People that gave me 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, it was a game changer. And in fact, down the stretch, if you're getting money in, you're making calculated decisions like, okay, I can see I'm getting support. Therefore, I'm going to put this mail piece in the mail or I'm going to. This is what happens a lot. I'm going to bump that up. Right. I I spent five hundred dollars on that radio ad. I'm going to spend six hundred dollars. So it runs five more times. If you have a couple of bucks, AnnetteGlenn.com and give her some money. Doesn't matter where you live. We need her in Michigan, especially in the state Senate. Same thing. Other places. Leon Benjamin was on the show of Virginia's fourth congressional district. And you can Leon uh, Leon. uh, I better make sure before. I tell you that one, uh, his email address. But my point is, you can find places where your dollars, just a few dollars, can make a big, big difference uh, for the moment we're in. So just now's the time to do, oh, it's Benjamin for Congress. Leon Benjamin's his name, BenjaminforCongress.com. He's got Yunkin uh, doing an event with him, a get-out-the-vote event and all that. So, look, my point here is, in these last days, you cannot watch. You've got to do. Get out the vote, phone calls. Look, go online, do some reading, find good places. I told you, AnnetteGlenn.com is one of my favorites. She's one of my favorite people running. But there's other ones. Find those other ones. But don't be sucked into uh, places where you uh, where they want you to uh, take on fights. The media or others are steering you. Find reliable allies who can give you encouragement on the right way to head because if you can get to the right fight you can make a big difference your bang for the buck can be even bigger if you can get to the right fight so that's what i'd encourage you to do uh, don't get distracted by other things all right one more thing it is very important that there will be places where there are election challenges, even runoffs, and we need to help get the right kind of attention on that, okay? Because I, I, I'm worried about Georgia. I think there might be a runoff there. I hope not. Uh, but there could be a runoff there. Where you have to get 50% to get uh, clear. If, it, if there's a third-party candidate in that race, it might keep them both under. But there's also going to be on election night lots of election irregularities. We've got to be a sort of amplified fire for what's going on to try to make sure things don't get stolen and you know this could mean if you're in a polling place in a key place pennsylvania we got a lot of listeners in pennsylvania amplifying the message in those key places uh very important so these next days are important oh here's another one i'm looking at my notes in a lot of states they have early voting where there's early voting stations that's how it is in the commonwealth of virginia and so on saturday and sunday you can go work a poll and you can stand outside and hand out literature and talk to people I was outside the public library. I didn't vote. I like to vote on election day, but I didn't. uh, I was outside the public library, and there was a tent there, and the Republicans were talking to folks. They were talking about the races. They were talking about the people. It was excellent. So find your way, and what you need to do is do. Okay? What you need to do, it's, you know, I talk all, uh, every day I do the wink. What you need to know, whatever you know now, you got to do. You got to do. You got to move. We need the help. We need to be concerted in the fight. We need to be out there. And so please uh, do your part. All right. Thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, uh, Joanna Spilger for associate producing. And thank you all for listening. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We will be back tomorrow.